Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Evan Clark. I'm at the Lawless Convention in Bristol and I'm with the Don of British comic book history, Richard Chief. Richard, welcome back to the book club. Eamon, <laughs> thank you. Lovely to be here, lovely to be at Lawless, lovely to be in Bristol on a sunny afternoon. It is a very sunny afternoon and you're going to the cricket this evening, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I am, yeah. Second match of the season. When I went the other day, it was 12 degrees. I sat in my coat and my gloves and my hat uh, and was very cold watching the cricket. So I'm hoping for much better weather this evening. It looks like it. It looks like it will be sun hat and a, and, a, and a quiet drink this evening. OK, we've got copious notes. Um, we've got the, we're the Friday before the convention gets going. Um, I'm going to get us going because we've got lots to talk about. Last time we talked about the Masters of British comic book art by... Um, David Roach. Yep. One of the artists mentioning that, but predominantly, <laughs> is going to is going to be the feature of this podcast. Tell us what we're talking about today. Uh, what we're uh, talking about today, Eamon, uh, is the art of Frank Bellamy, a twenty twenty one book by Norman Boyd and Peter Richardson, published by under uh, the Illustrators imprint. Uh, still available. Sort of softback, uh, one hundred forty four page book, uh, full of just jaw dropping art, which we'll come to in a, in a moment. So yeah, so Frank Bellamy. And I think, did you say £30 for that softback, still yeah. available, £9 digitally, which I've got on my iPad here with us. Um, and it's a, a lovely book about a an important British comic book artist. And we get, this gives, I like this, because this gives us the opportunity to focus in on one particular artist who we haven't really talked about enough, perhaps. So tell us a little bit about why you chose Frank Bellamy and tell us a little bit about the man himself. Uh, well, for uh, recent listeners will have heard uh, you on episode, I think, 220. Uh, we just did Marriott when you were talking about the Masters of Comic Book Art. Uh, yeah. He was uh, one of those. So he has been on the podcast a little bit recently. Uh, but uh, to, my, to my mind, he can't be on uh, the podcast often enough. Uh, and this is, I mean, this is the only book. I mean, this is the book, the right. only <laughs> book <laughs> about Frank Bellamy. Uh that, that exists and that you would uh, you would ever need. Um, so Bellamy, um, I mean, I think you know we look back to that Masters comic book art by David Roach. There's, you know, there's lots of text at the start and then at the end, and sort of the second half of the book is the examples of the art. Uh, and Frank Bellamy has got seven pages in there. He's a seven pages sort of guy. I don't think anyone else has seven pages. I think you know, only even Ron Embleton, who's one of David Roach's favourites, only has six pages. So, you know, I think he, that makes him, you know, if that's the... I meant to check, but yes, he seems to be the most. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, if, if that's the book about the greatest British comic book artist and he has the most pages, then this is going to be a very difficult grail page game. I already foresee that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Frank Bellamy, um, uh, born in 1917, uh, died in 1976. So, you know, uh, pre-2000 AD, you know, none of his work appears in 2000 AD. Some of it is a little bit butchered and appears on the front of Battle Picture Weekly. Um, and really, along with uh, Frank Hampson, Frank Humphreys, the three great Franks uh, that worked on Eagle uh, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, probably these days, you know, maybe most well-known for his work on Thunderbirds comic. You know, people... Uh, may remember those reprints uh, from the from the nineties when the Thunderbirds revival uh, was in full swing. Um, but he worked on a lot of strips before he got to Thunderbirds, and eventually moved away from comic strip illustration on a weekly basis towards uh, the Garth uh, newspaper strip, uh, which is you know reaches its its zenith really. I think under under his stewardship, does that nineteen seventy one to nineteen seventy six, and then uh, and then. Uh, Dies um, in '76 when you know he, he's not even 60, uh, so so dies uh, too young, um, and it's probably you know I don't want him to disappear into obscurity. Mm. You know there are, there are you know I'm sure we'll come to it. You know there are lots of reprint volumes out there uh, of his work, so there are, you know there's plenty of opportunities to, to catch up uh, and, and see what we're going to be talking about uh, today. Um, so. You say it's by Norman Boyd, it's Peter Richardson. It's from this illustrator series from um, the Book Palace, which we're going to get to and talk yeah. a little bit about them as well. Um, and a bit, I suppose, a bit like David Roach's book, we get some, we get some text, we get the biography basically, yeah. um, and his sort of career. Um, 
I remember sitting here a year ago with yourself and you recommended to me another artist or another creator biography, the Marcus Morris Flying Eagles book. Yeah. And one of the things I liked about Frank Bellamy's uh, sort of um, biography in this book and also about the Marcus Morris is that I love that sort of pre- and post-World War II artists, sort of jobbing artists, sort of going from studio to studio, or like, you know, knocking on doors almost, mm-hmm. or chasing up a lead, because there was no other way of doing it, was there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there, weren't, there weren't, you know, it wasn't, you know, there's no internet, uh, you know, yeah. just to sort of, oh, just Google up, you know, what, what, you know, where, you know, so search up, as my kids would say. I'm just going to search something up. But, yeah. And that's sort of, no, you know, it, it doesn't exist. You know, he works. You know, when he initially starts out as an artist, you know, it's not with his very dynamic Thunderbirds style that people recognise. You know, it's very much the completely the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, he's working for local newspapers. He's essentially sort of illustrating the football section. Uh, you know, the sort of the uh, I don't know if it, if it would have been the sort of the pink and they used to call it sometimes these sort of yes, very colourful sort of late, one, late yeah. sporting sections that yeah. you get on it because there isn't um, supers whatever they call it on Sky you know. yeah Soccer Saturday <laughs> Soccer yeah. Saturday Grandstand you know yeah. that, that doesn't exist you know you need the, the late copy you know so you know he's providing sort of humorous uh, football illustrations and things uh, you know he works you know essentially for his local newspaper then he work, then he moves to a slightly bigger uh, newspaper, so he moves from uh, Kettering Leader and Guardian, uh, then on to the Northamptonshire Evening Telegraph and the Football Telegraph, and then again, he then gets a job just off uh, Fleet Street uh, for for a studio. So he's sort of he's slowly sort of climbing the rungs, you know, artistically and career-wise. And certainly, one of the things you'll see in the book, you know, is the enormous development, you know, in, in his art from those sort of humorous football. Images, you know, right at the start to that, you know, the incredible dynamism in his Thunderbirds work, the the explosions. I mean, he's he's the king of explosions, Frank Bellamy. You know, yeah. he's just they're just jaw dropping. Um, but yeah, you know, he really, you know, he, he has to step up each each of these rungs. You know, he goes from working, you know, he gets with that studio initially, and then he gets into working for sort of uh, magazines uh, like um, like Boys Own Paper. And similar notes, and he's sort of doing the covers occasionally, and he's doing some interior work, and then eventually he gets, you know, enough of that um, to get signed up by sort of a, you know a really good artist agency, and then they, you know, then they get him into sort of the the bottom rung of comics, and then you know, so it's real, you know, there's a real sort of twenty year overnight sensation. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, he, you know, he was a hard working. Uh, commercial artist wasn't he he'd done his service in the war he did some sort of he did art in the war or some sort of illustration I think is that right yes and then he he sort of worked his way up as you say through these newspapers and these lesser titles and then at some point of course he's going to get the big character from British comic book hero I don't know if you've heard of this character at all Richard this this damned air thing the, I mean the eagle obviously is one of your specialist subjects one of your particular interests how did he get that job what happened there uh, well I mean I think you know we go back to those sort of those rungs on the ladder he was on you know sort of you know in eagle terms sort of down, down there at the top of the ladder but to get there you know he has to work through a number of you know not even working on eagle to start with his sort of first comic Strip art where he does in uh, Mickey Mouse Weekly, so you know, a, you know, a Disney licensed title uh, in, in the early fifties. And if you look at, I mean, the book has some examples of his work on the strip there called Monte Carstairs. So this is sort of 1953, 1954, and you know, the the art there. You look at that, and you think that that doesn't look a lot like Frank Bellamy, you know? mm. because like I say, the book you know shows his you know real development. Uh, from that starting out was that sort of humour artist up to this, you know, incredible uh, science fiction artist uh, that, that people may be more familiar with with his Thunderbirds work. Um, so, you know, so, but, he, but he draws Mickey Mouse weekly, um, you know, demonstrates his, you know, his ability, you know, to meet those weekly deadlines, his quality. He's then taken into uh, working on Swift, which is part of the sort of the Hulton, they were the publishers, the sort of stable of titles they created. So Eagle, Girl, Robin, Swift. So it was all... Away in 
um, with those titles so you could sort of you would progress so Robin was sort of the nursery title for, for boys and girls and you might progress on to you know a couple of years older Swift which was sort of for young uh, for slightly you know slightly older children and then you would end up in Girl or Eagle hmm. uh, you know depending on your gender um, so he works in Swift uh, and again on strips like the Fleet Family Swiss Family Robinson um Paul English again though you know those are quite sort of proto strips and it's you know it doesn't really look like Frank Bowman you know the, the quality is good but it doesn't have that that, that dynamism uh, that we see in his, his later strips he moves on to King Arthur where you know which is more of an adventure strip than the others have been and certainly by the time he gets to the Robin Hood strip which is the last strip he does for Swift you know the, the quality of the artwork there you know is definitely gone up a notch uh, it's just the, the folds in the sort of the, the outlaw's clothes it's, you know so beautifully uh, done but again it can be very sort of plain backgrounds but yeah but Robin mm. Hood uh, which is a title that has been uh, published uh, collected uh, previously uh, is, is definitely a sort of the first or right this looks you know quite an exciting you know visually visual strip I mean the actual sort of content is probably quite Stain is maybe the wrong word, but you know, straightforward because it, you know it's it's aimed. You know, it, the audience it's aimed at is probably you know eight or nine year old children. So, right. You know, it's you know it's not full of double crossing. There's not you know great plot twists, any of that. Uh, but the artwork for those kids is fantastic. Um, and then that you know that 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 quality that that stability working on those Halton Press titles for, for Swift um, eventually is enough to sort of be his calling card to get. Work for Eagle, which is obviously the premier title um, in the in the group, uh, and he starts on uh, sort of the, the back page stories in Eagle. Uh, so these were sort of often uh, true life uh, stories, often with a sort of a certain muscular Christianity, which was probably the uh, the ethos uh, of Eagle. Yes, uh, and <laughs> founding principles. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, you know, you, you have a comic created by a vicar. This, you know, this, this is what happens. Um, and and you know there are a number of those stories you know drawn by a number of artists that are about um, uh, people going out uh, uh, and converting people uh, to Christianity. Oh, know, right. Under difficult circumstances, uh, so it's like Patrick Fighter for Truth, all about sort of some Patrick in, in Ireland, um, and he works. Uh, but the first story he actually Bellamy does uh, is a story called The Happy Warrior. Oh, it's The Happy Warrior. There's actually, that's the first one, is it? Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that The Happy Warrior, I think the line comes from a poem, actually, although I forget the author, um, is is actually a, a back page story about the life of Winston Churchill. Yes. Um, who, was at, who, was, who was still alive when he's doing this because this is the uh, late 1950s he's doing this. Obviously, most, most of the back page stories that Eagle had done up until then had been, although they were true life stories, you know, there were people, uh, you know, uh, they were, had died, uh, whereas, whereas Churchill was, was very much alive, very much, uh, you know, the, the, the grand man of, uh, of British politics. So this was, you know, this was quite a challenging uh, task. And famously, you know, copies of the Eagle when it was published were sent to uh, Churchill every week, but with the Dan Dare page cut out uh, because Churchill wasn't a science fiction <laughs> his loss uh, um, and oh I mean, yeah I mean it's, it's interesting when you see I mean so the, the Happy Warrior is a story runs for just over a year uh, and tells Churchill's life story you know, w- you know which is incredible sort of full of boys own adventure mm. sort of the all war the you know the he was in a cavalry charge. I know, yeah, you know. It's, <laughs> he was a prisoner of war. It's, he was a prisoner, yeah, he escapes, doesn't he? He yeah. breaks out of a war, prisoner of war. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it runs for a year and sort of, maybe sort of, most interestingly, it's a, I mean, Dapper Warrior is, has been reprinted a number of times and is easily and widely available uh, on uh, internet uh, friendly options for you. Um, so when you see those very early episodes of The Happy Warrior, it's very. Everything is very sort of four line, you know, sort of three images per bank of strips, and there are four, four banks as it were. So it's twelve images. It's just very boxes, very straightforward. You know, nothing to argue about, nothing to upset the great man. Right. And then you know, after a few weeks, it's like, okay, well, we've been sending this to him. We've cut off the front page of Dan Dare. He's got nothing to complain about. He seems quite happy about the back page story. No, no negative feedback. 
Okay, and then slowly, slowly, the sort of the handbrake comes off, uh, and and the action and the images uh, become more, more more dynamic. You know, in a way that we associate maybe Fred Bellamy with his Thunderbirds work, with sort of jagged edges. Uh, you know, not square panels. You know, right. differently shaped panels doing different. You know, but serving the purpose um, uh, that they needed to get the story to move along. Uh, but it's still sing- single page, runs for a year. Happy Warrior. Uh, that's, yeah, it's one of the great introduction to, to Churchill's life and widely available. And if you if you open this book, the illustrator's guide, the, the one of the images of Churchill's right up at the front of the book, I think, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know, it starts off very early with an image of Winston Churchill. And I'm fascinated that they were sending him the eagle with the dander. I mean, you know, if you've got one of Churchill's copies of the eagle with the dander, <laughs> that would be worth something. Yeah, and I think that that, that image of, of Churchill. Um, you know, it shows one of the other strengths of Bellamy, which is also demonstrated on the front page, is that um, his use of stippling yes. as a technique, which yeah. is, you know, the, the level of detail and precision required for somebody doing this by hand, not on a computer, not with some, I, I don't know, drawing on a computer, but I imagine there's a stippling effect. Yes. You sort of put a brush and go, like that. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it stipples the whole page for you. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That's very straightforward. But this is a man sat there with a pen very very fine nibbed pen for hours for hours and hours and there is no way of getting around it um, mm. and certainly a lot of the art that's in here I mean I, I'm, I don't own any Bellamy art but I, you know, but I own a, a Dan Dare page from a sort of similar sort of mid 50s time period and it's only slightly bigger than sort of life size as it would have been mm. and you know the eagle this time was not not being printed on you know it's not like the size of the Beezer or something when that originally came out which is which is like more than I used to be not tabloid but you know whatever the old you know it's not enormous it's all you know it's just it's almost one to one yeah so you know it's you know so the actual detail you must have to do on a sort of something which is probably you know an inch square or something to get this level of detail you know there's just you could you would spend a lot of time very carefully but he just he just does it in page after page after page and it's just it's just unbelievable at it so yeah it's beautiful beautiful I don't want to dwell too much on Winston Churchill, who's a controversial figure at the best of times, <laughs> but I'm reminded of that fairly famous film clip of Churchill when he was presented with a portrait of him that was going to go in the National Portrait Gallery. And I can't remember who was the famous artist who'd done it. It's Graham Sutherland. It was Graham Sutherland. I was going to say Sutherland. Well, thank you. Well done. <laughs> uh, um, and Churchill clearly did not like it. And when it's unveiled, it's like, you can tell, clearly... <laughs> does not like it but presumably I hope he was happy with um, Frank Bellamy's uh, version of him oh well, well I hope so too I mean there's certainly like I say there's the, there are a number of versions that various people have published over the years I mean um, Eagle published a version you know, sort of contemporaneously in uh, 1957 very early example uh, British publishing uh, of, of a trade paper collection right oh, actually, okay. it's hardback but it's, it's, yeah. it's a very lovely book uh, and, because it, and it survives very well but actually they made two sort of prestige copies of that, one for Churchill himself uh, and one for uh, Clifton Makins, I think, who was the editor uh, okay. at the time. I think the Churchill, the one for Churchill, sold relatively recently, um, and you know because it was a special item for that. I should have looked up the price, but it, you know, but it, it, you know, it was probably in the low thousands of pounds. Right. That this sort of very. Not unique because there are two of them, right? Uh, but this nearly unique uh, copy of the Happy Warrior went for. So, other cheaper items and uh, copies are available. I hope it had some cigar ash in the package. <laughs> <of cigar. laughs> okay, well, let's move us on because after this, he, we're going to get to Dan Dare, aren't we? Or they're near enough. Because um, Frank Hampson, you know, one of the other famous Franks you've mentioned already, and he has this slightly studio approach to Dan Dare. Um, after a while, that he set up, hasn't he? Yes. So, so even even from the very earliest days of the, of the oh, right. airstrip, even uh, sort of uh, when it's been put together in 1949, 19, early 1950, uh, up in uh, Southport, uh, it's Hampson and a, and a team of people right. around him doing it. So, you know, if you know what you're looking for, you, you know, you can look at those strips and go, oh, that's a Hampson frame, that's not a Hampson frame, or oh, that's, uh, right. you know. Um, so it's always been this, this sort of studio approach, and that's because some people are doing the foreground of the strip, some people are drawing, you know, a particular frame, some people are doing background, some people are doing hardware, uh, some people are helping um, the photography. Have some, you know, 
took a lot of photos so you get sort of the fold on the cloth uh, or you know people's shirts and jackets um, most famously his father who stands in for Sir Hubert Guest uh, so so there are a lot of people involved in getting this thing out the door you know right. producing two pages a week uh, every week requires a lot of people it doesn't just require Hampson seeing there there's, there's a whole team of people getting these two pages um, a week out and you know, and it and it works in, in Southport. Eventually, they uh, they move to uh, to Epsom uh, to be nearer uh, the publishers. Um, but again, the, the the studio system continues. You know, a number of them living and working in the Hampson House uh, in Epsom, uh, which there is a blue plaque these days. Um, right, good. Uh, and uh, and occasionally, the house comes up for sale. So it was always like you know, this sort of. Uh, opportunity to, to look inside. I have been inside that house um, uh, a long time ago, and you know, sort of, sort of the attention to detail. They sort of took out a floor uh, in one bit of the house, so they could have a double height space, so they could you know take photos. Right. Of people stood at the top of ladders and. Things. Oh, okay. So uh, and, and a big garden. So again, you know, there's sort of photos of them in the garden wearing treat masks and things, and, uh, and um, acting out the scene that was required. Um, so, you know, so it works brilliantly, you know, and the strip, you know, is selling, you know, an eagle is selling in the hundreds of thousands of the Dandan merchandise and everybody's very happy. Uh, Holton's making lots of money in the 50s and then uh, at the end of the 1950s, the number of Holton's publications, you know, uh, are, are on the wane. They, uh, as a company, are bought out and the new owners, as is often the way, they sort of look around and go, well, this is costing us a lot of money over here. I don't think I want, you know, a team of people producing two pages a week. What I want is one artist, or in the, uh, you know, in the case of Bellamy, when he takes over uh, Dan Dare, he's often sharing the uh, the work uh, with Don Harley. So yes, he's, so he's one page. So mentioned two page book, trip, yeah. And one produces one page, and one produces the other page. So Bellamy uh, is told he doesn't really want to do it, uh, but he's told honestly, just do it for a year, help us out, do us a favour. So he signs up on the basis of doing it for you know one year. So he produces, but he's told to sort of he is told to sort of do the art, you know, in a, in a new, you know, more uh, more exciting, less Frank Hampson sort of style. And then you get to the second page, which has been done by Don Harley, who's a uh, second best stand there artist, as Frank Hampson called him, is working in a very different style, right, uh, more traditional style. So it's a very you know, jarring, you know, juxtaposition of artists. But you know, Frank Ham- uh, Frank Bellamy was the premier artist at the time they wanted him on Dan Dare do it for a year he does it he does a number of stories about um, sort of the quest for Dan Dan Dare is on looking for his father who's who's disappeared um, and is presumed lost so he he draws three strips uh, Terra Nova Trips to Trouble and Project Nimbus before he's he's, uh, able to step away from it so well I did my year uh, go away from it Okay, so he's he's done a year on Dan Dare. Mm. Uh, we could probably spend the whole podcast talking about that, but <laughs> uh, let's talk about his sort of his career after that a little bit. Um, we're going to get Thunderbirds, but in between Dan Dare and Thunderbirds, there's a couple of notables. There's one in particular that we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about when we come to pages. I think, aren't we? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think we probably are. So, uh, so notably. Um, what he works on before he gets to post down there, but before he gets to Thunderbirds, uh, probably is two. So, uh, so there's a strip called Fraser of Africa, uh, of which there's a lovely reprint volume from Hawk Books, he used to publish those big, thick down there reprint volumes in the 90s and early noughties. It did a sort of softback, sort of oversized uh, reprint, too big for my rucksack to bring and show you, Eamon. Um, uh, so, Fraser of Africa, three stories, uh, which, which, are, which are very lovely. Um, and they're often, and they're all set in Africa, sort of based around this character Fraser, who is this sort of big game hunter, uh, much neglected genre in comics these days, <laughs> and probably not coming back yeah, no. <laughs> for all sorts of good reasons. Yeah. Uh, but but I would recommend that people uh, look out that. I mean, just I mean, it's just they're sort of they're drenched in light, and the sort of you know Fraser um, was sort of you know the character you know Bellamy always wanted to go to Africa, was obsessed with with Africa, and they're just. So it's pages and pages of just yellow, very subtle relations of colour, but just to try and give off that that image of uh, of Africa, just the sort of the hut and the sun beating down, and just but so it's just pages and pages of yellow, which 
doesn't sound very exciting, but when you, you know, just, mm. the art is fantastic. So he does sprays of Africa, then he does another um, uh, true life story, Montgomery of Alamein, uh, which instead of being a back page is sort of uh, sensor spread sort of eagles, a double page spread, again, very dynamic frame layouts. Um, and again, it's another uh, real life story of somebody who was still alive at the time. Um, and that has been collected as well. And then he moves on to uh, uh, Heros, uh, the Spartan, uh, which is a, I suppose it's a story which shows how Eagle in the 60s, in the mid-1960s, is not the Eagle of the 1950s. Mm. Uh, this, this is a story uh, about a Roman soldier um, uh, coming to England. He's exiled to England, actually, uh, for some misdemeanor. Uh, and it's the sort of the adventures... Uh, that he has in England. I think there's about eight stories in all, uh, half of them drawn by uh, Luis Bermejo uh, yes. and, and half uh, by Bellamy himself. And they sort of encounter druids and mystical creatures and fantasy and magic in a way that you absolutely would not have had that, you know, in, in Eagle with his muscular Christianity, which I mentioned earlier in the 1950s. Mm. You know, there would be no place for, for magic and the sort of the, uh, you know, Voodoo, but the sort of um, goings on in sort of deep, dark, dank woods in the first or second century uh, AD. Yeah. Um, so, but but these sort of adventure stories are all of Heros, this sort of a, a Roman uh, legionnaire commander. Um, I, I didn't read them all as a, as a child because I didn't have them as a collected version, but even as a kid, I thought the, these were fantastic. Hmm. Um, and again, big. Double page spreads, very moody. Uh, yeah, with these uh, some some crazy monsters and villains, uh, and some just unbelievable artwork. Yes, I mean the artwork is unbelievable, and we will come back to that shortly. <laughs> We're going to be talking about um, a page or two from that. Um, okay, so we're still in the sixties. I guess we're going to sort of move away from Eagle comic because he does some work. For Jerry Anderson, Sylvia Anderson, TV Twenty One or TV yeah. Century Twenty One, or yeah. So I mean, so this is sort of the early sixties, so sixty two, sixty three, sixty four. So you know, Eagle, despite its high, you know, the high production values, uh, you know, is definitely you know on the wane. Uh, you know, not helped by, frankly, you know, having got rid of the their studio system and replaced it by having just you know a single artist doing it. But anyway, that's that's water on the bridge <laughs> now. Um, and uh, but TV uh, TV Century Twenty One or TV Twenty One uh, used a, s- a similar ethos in terms of you know high quality production values you know, in the same way that Eagle with its sort of photo gravure printing hmm. is very different from the sort of the Ben Day dot style uh, that would have um, uh, was was used extensively before nineteen fifty. So the sort of high high production value you know high quality artists. You know, it's a similar idea on TV Twenty One. It's just uh, that was the, the current, you know, big thing. Uh, so Bellamy is uh, headhunted uh, and goes on to produce um, nearly thirty stories, or illustrate nearly thirty stories um, over uh, a period of about four years uh, for the Anderson titles, uh, and, and it's these titles which have been most reprinted uh, and are available in a number of very easy to get hold of volumes uh, and show you know, the the dynamism, the explosion, the adventures you know, in a way that we, uh, you know, that ring very true from, from the TV stories, you know, um, hmm. in, in a comic book format. And it's, I mean, you know, we've already seen Heroes to Spartan, but it's sort of the Thunderbirds art is just, again, it's just wonderful Frank Bellamy artwork, as you say. He's doing... He's doing uh, unconventional things with panel borders. He's doing explosions. He's doing buildings and cities. He's doing the vehicles because obviously it's Thunderbirds, so the vehicle is extremely important. The action adventure, the colourful nature of it all. Um, He even does, because we were looking at it before, the film poster for the movie Thunderbird 6, I think, is his. And that's in this book, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's very, it's very sort of. I mean, you know, as much as I love Heroes of Spartan, a lot of it is sort of set in the sort of dank and dark and sort of dirty and you know f- falling apart first century or whatever yeah. it is, AD England. And it's all quite gloomy <clears throat> and quite you know there are a lot of 
you know, mistrounded islands and, you know, um, terrible sort of pitfalls that you can fall into. Whereas Thunderbirds, it's, you know, is more sort of, you know, daylight. Uh, future cities. Future cities, you know, there's, there's a lot of light, there's a lot of bright. Um, so in terms of his, his colour palette, you know, it really sort of jumps off the page. Yeah. Compared to Heroes, where it, or it can be more, you know, uh, um, more gloomy, more sort of down and dirty uh, sort of colour palette that he has to use. So yeah, so the, the Thunderbird stuff is just you know glorious in terms of you know the, the colour uh, yeah. he's able to use. Absolutely spectacular stuff. Um, before I ask you a little bit more about the book itself, uh, sort of post Thunderbirds getting into the seventies, as you say, he dra- he dies before two thousand AD could have used him. Yeah, um, you'd have to think that they probably would have tried to at least get him um but what about some of his stuff from the 70s you mentioned some of the paper strips and so yeah. on so yeah so it probably is so his longest continuous piece of work uh, is the work that he does on garth 1971 to 1976 um so daily strip the daily mirror which you know probably you know news daily newspaper like that at, at the time you know probably a daily ratio in, in the low single millions um and uh, um, Bellamy is illustrating uh, Garth, this sort of muscle-bound uh, hero who is, is able to travel through time and space, uh, you know, and, and relive his previous lives uh, and have these adventures with these often very nubile <laughs> women just hanging around. Uh, some, space babes. Space babes, some yeah. which are probably based on Nancy Bellamy, uh, right. his wife, and uh, sometimes model. Um, so you know, there's that element to them, um, but but yeah, so so he does that for for five years, uh, you know, just you know, I mean, as a sort of relentless grind of you know every, every single day. Mm. Uh, but but he, he illustrates quite a number of those stories and those, those you know those, those boards. You know, there are a lot of them. Uh, you know, that they come up for sale. You know, sort of on eBay, and compound things like that on a reasonably regular basis, and they probably cost you three hundred, five hundred pounds if you want sort of three panels um, mm. of Bellamy, which probably gives you an indication of what if three panels cost a black and white newspaper bra cost you three to five hundred pounds, how much does a Frank Bellamy double page spread of the sparks cost you? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a lot more. Okay. Um, the book itself, um, yes. it's a combination of biography and of course lots and lots of artwork. Uh, either reprints of yep. the pages or reprints of original artwork. Mm. There's also some of his own. Uh, you've just flicked past as studio portraits and so on. There's um, some of his own like sketches and his his portraits of his wife and yep. so on. Um, I, I get. I presume because I haven't looked at any of the other illustrators' books. Is this a sort of common um, pattern for these books, these art of books that they do? Yeah. So I think this is this is number eleven in the spec. So so illustrators as a magazine. Uh, I mean, you know, ma- magazine is the, is the wrong word for it because it sounds like slightly sort of soppy and so. But you know, but sort of bookazine, if you like. Yes. Uh, you know, com- comes out uh, four times a year, but they also put out these special editions. Um, so this so this is special number eleven. I think they're up to special number eighteen now. Um, so, so some of them, uh, you know, have a definite sort of British comic bent to them. Uh, some of them, some of them, you know, less so. You know, there's a there's a Tarzan special, for instance. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, ones about Commando. Uh, there's a sort of a, a double issue which has got um, Sydney Jordan and Jim Hollow uh, Jim Holdaway, uh, real sort of kings of British black and white uh, strip cartooning again for newspapers uh, so Jim Holdaway a lot of work for Modesty Blaze Sydney Jordan um, Jeff, Jeff Hawke yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there are other sort of themed issues I think there's one about pirates I think there's one um, about sort of Sean Phillips and sort of hard boiled sort of crime oh right okay one. Um, there are sort of the uh, so yeah, so it covers quite quite a range uh, of topics, uh, and they continue um, to be you know there are there are more uh, in in production. But yeah, I mean they are you know fantastic sort of quality. So it's one like I say 144 pages, um, and just you know the reproduction is a lot of art that's scanned from probably heritage auctions, mm. high profile you know US auction house, and you can see I mean the sort of the detail of the strips if you if you would get a copy of. The Happy Warrior, for instance, um, 
you know, they they are reproducing just what was in Eagle, uh, which at the time you know was high quality photo review printing. But when you compare it to the original art, which you can see in this book, you know you can just see how sort of muddy and how right. much the detail has been lost you know, on the printed page. I mean, when you look at the originals here, you think, oh my god, not only you know sort of the insane level of sort of detail that Bellingham was getting from sort of the stippling effect, you know, sort of the individual hairs in people's beards, you know, just, you know, fantastic um, illustrations from things like um, Marco Polo Adventure or David, mm. the, the Shepherd King, getting some of his, his back page strips and just, just the colours, fantastic sort of vibrant uh, colours. Again, when they, even though you print it on the best printing presses available at the time, it's just, you know, just lose so, so much, uh, you know, and, uh, and so it's a great opportunity to see what that original art re- really looks like. Yeah. Um, and I, the other thing I also noticed, uh, you mentioned his wife, and I've sort of noticed this trend recently with some of the modern comic book artists, particularly David Roach, who we've talked about, which is that, that at some point they go back to life drawing classes. I think Henry Flint said he was doing it recently, or maybe Chris Weston, I can't remember. But David Roach certainly does it. Yeah. And, and some of those, uh, some of his life drawing studies are in the book, including, as you say, using his wife as a model quite frequently, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. 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 So, so, so Nancy Birmingham, I, I, I did meet Nancy Birmingham once, actually. Uh, but yeah, so she's in there, and they're definitely, I mean, this is, like I said, this book is 144 pages, but you know, that, you know, it really only can scratch the surface. Uh, of you know somebody as productive uh, as Bellamy, who you know had a career stretching over thirty years, mm. um, but but yeah, has some of his his, his life drawing in there um, um, with with Nancy you know, and with other people who we don't know. Okay, um, you mentioned some collections of his work. Yep. Um, do you want to pick out a few of them that have been done so far? Because there are you did list in your notes quite a few, didn't you? There's quite a number of them. Uh, there are, and uh, you know, a lot of them from the same publishing house. So, so illustrators, um, you know, sort of the, the publisher, their sort of book palace books, uh, have put together collections uh, of the Robin Hood stories uh, from Swift, the King Arthur stories from Swift. Um, you know, the, the, you know, these are very easy to get hold of. You know, probably fifteen twenty pounds. Um, they've also published the complete uh, Swift stories that. That Frank Bowman worked on, you know, there's a very nice hardback volume. It's quite expensive these right. days. <laughs> I don't remember paying how much, you know, the, the price at the moment is very high. And I think I don't remember paying that much for it, but, you know, it's a fantastic collection. Um, there's also, after EUM and TV21, uh, he did some work for Look and Learn uh, on the story of uh, World War One. Again, Book Palace have collected all of that together. Um, Bellamy's uh, Heroes work as he shares the art duties on the strip uh, with Luis Bermejo. Um, so there are, you know, you can spend three hundred pounds on those sort of regular collection of all of Bellamy's work on Heroes, or there's a, you know, nice leather bound edition um, if you have those sort of terrible completed surges. Right. Uh, that that I do, uh, and you know, and, th- and that's just fantastic, you know. Single place is, you know, you d- although they're double page spreads, and you always worry about losing that stuff down the, the yeah. gutter. You know, the, you know the, they, they, deal with, they deal with that quite well, and that's you know before you even get to the sort of the Thunderbirds strips, which have been uh, reprinted by you know a number of people. I mean, Engel put out a collection of about half a dozen volumes about ten years ago. Um, you know, which was sort of, you know, I mean, I bought some of them in Waterstones, oh, right. which were widely available at the time. There was a sort of, I mean, I know Hachette had been putting out sort of the, uh, the 2000 AD collection successfully, um, and there was a sort of, there was going to be a sort of a Jerry Anderson version of that, um, but that only lasted sort of five volumes and didn't really work out. Um, there's, there's a couple of sort of quite sort of inch thick sort of Thunderbirds, the comic collection of volumes that came out, uh, again, maybe sort of seven or eight years ago. I mentioned, I think, earlier the Fraser of Africa book from Hawk Books uh, in, in 1990s, some slim paperback version, um, various editions of The Happy Warrior. Uh, not everybody needs to have the Dutch version that I've got of it as well, but but it does exist. But, right. <laughs> for, 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 that, for those people who have that unquenchable urge to get hold of all Frank Bellamy books, uh, in whatever language uh, they exist. Uh, and there is also a book called uh, High Command, which, uh, published by Dragon's Dream, the early 1980s, which collects uh, the Happy Warrior stories of the life of Churchill um, with with the uh, life of Montgomery. 
right. on the other main as well. So you get sort of two war war stories uh, in in a single volume. So so high command, uh, softback and hardback uh, editions are available. Hardback much harder to find in softback. Right. Okay, and we're going to talk about the Book Palace as a publisher again mm. in a moment. But I'm just thinking that the Richard Sheaf Book Palace <laughs> at Sheaf Manors. <laughs> Groaning under the the floorboards, groaning under the weight. Uh, yeah, very much, very much so, very much so. It's, right, yeah. You take out the floor they took out of the Hampson home and put it in <laughs> to reinforce yours. It's sort of the thing we need. It's it's you know it is the smallest bedroom. It is the smallest room in the house. Right, um, but it's, it's it is quite full, packed with these quite, books I and mean, collections. My my family would look at it and say, oh, it's, a, it's a mess in here. Whereas I would say, actually. This is the most organised room in the house. <laughs> I have to know exactly where everything is. Uh, so there, there is a great filing system, but it, yeah, we, we could definitely do with another bigger room, but that's okay. not happening. So yeah, we're not quite at the one in, one out stage, um, but but we're tantalisingly close, I feel. So, I mean, it's a lovely book. It's a lovely guide to a fascinating artist. It's got wonderful art in it. Let's talk about the art. We're going to limit you to what's yeah. in this particular book for Frank Bellamy. <laughs> uh, we've swapped some images already. Yeah. Um, tell us, you've chosen a couple of grail pages for the game. I have. And bear in mind, we have already established that Frank Bellamy is a seven-pager man in the you know uh, David Rose's book, which already makes him you know the, the, the greatest artist uh, ever. So it's very hard to narrow that down yeah. out of you know, a 30, 30 year career. You know, with he's the king of stippling. He does the greatest explosions uh, in the in the history of the world. Um, uh, so it's been very hard but I have uh, it has actually I would say in some ways been quite easy because I picked a page that, that I've loved uh, for a very long time um, and it features uh, one of Bellamy's battle, Bellamy's battle scenes right. we haven't talked about his, his battle scenes at all um, but you know even from his days during drawing Robin Hood you know, there are fantastic sort of you know two sides you know they clash they come together Loves these big frames with a lot of people in it, uh, you know, so much dynamism. So, so I picked a page uh, which I would have to say I was slightly worried Justin Marriott was going to pick <laughs> <laughs> in episode two twenty, uh, and I'd have been very upset if he did. But luckily, he didn't pick uh, the Bellamy page, uh, which is a double page spread from Her- Heros the Spartan from uh, April uh, nineteen sixty three, uh, and. Is a scene where the uh, leg- uh, the legionnaires, uh, the legionaries, uh, and the barbarians uh, they meet, uh, and, and as often happens when opposing foes meet, uh, there is the mother of all battles. And in this very colourful page, right in the middle, is just sort of black and white. And I, I can't tell you how many people are in this image. You know, it looks like there's about a hundred of them. Yeah. You know, having a hell of a fight. Um, so yeah, Heros page. Um, with, with this, with this clashing of the armies. Yes. So obviously, we talked about this page because it was in Doc Garriock's book, um, and Justin Marriott talked about it. But as you say, fortunately for the rules of the game, he didn't pick it. Left it for you. It's double page spread, as you say. Here, the Spartan. Um, it is. I mean, as you know, regular listeners to the podcast will know that I've gone on about the Conan the Barbarian atop a pile of bodies from Barry Windsor-Smith a few times. But this page, by another great British comic book artist, um, is right up there with him. It's a page I've only discovered from doing this podcast. So, yeah, as you say, double-page spread. You've got the action going on around the sort of, shall I say, around the edges of the page Mm. in colour. And then across the middle, you've got that spread of bodies and action in uh, sort of black and white or grayscale, would you call it? Mm, yeah, grayscale, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's just fantastic. And the more you look at it, the more you see, the more the more wonderful it becomes, doesn't it? And the more people, every time you look at it, oh, hang on, there's another, you know, there's, oh, there's a fraction of a face over there or there's a half a helmet over there or anything. Oh, hang on, there's... Are so many people involved in this single set? You know, this is just, just you know, the ability to sit at a drawing board, you know, with no, you know, there's no control all functions. To sort of, oh, hang on, just let me, let me just sort that out a bit. It's like, no, no, I just got to start in the top left. I got to end in the bottom right. And I've got to envisage. I've read the script, and I can envisage all of this. You know, and I can't draw stick men. So you know, yeah. just that that ability is so. 
It's not perplexing. I don't know what the word is. So I just I cannot imagine how your brain would work. Think right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to draw this. Yeah. And then he draws this. So I mean, it's uh, you know there are, there are so many fantastic Bellamy pages you know that, that we could have that, that we could have chosen. You know, there's um, you know, but 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 this one you know for for a long time. Uh, well, uh, has has been my has been my favourite, and we certainly used um, to sort of to showcase Bellamy's art uh, in, in the states, especially um, I think in the New York um, Academy of Comic Book Arts uh, in the early in the early seventies when they're having a, a feature on Bellamy, uh, and it does still exist. As, um, um, this page, this page, yes. Um, so so it is it is out there, but. I want, where is it though? Oh, and why is it not hanging in a gallery? <laughs> it should be hanging in yeah. a gallery. It's, it's just an astonishing my, page. Yes, yeah, it is an astonishing page. Yeah. It's got, and you've got the distinctive Frank Bellamy signature at the bottom of the page. Yeah. Um, it is, I'm going to make another cultural reference. If you're familiar with the Game of Thrones episode, The Battle of the Bastards, where Jon Snow almost perishes amidst the pile of bodies, they feel like Frank Bellamy should have they should have got him to do the storyboards because <laughs> yeah. this is what it looks like um, on a field of battle um, yeah it's a wonderful page it should be hanging somewhere mm. that we could all go and look at the page itself yeah um, what a wonder okay so beyond the, uh, the the budget of the Mega City Book Club unfortunately Richard and of Sheaf Manners but never mind uh, <laughs> we can <laughs> yeah. still look at it and yeah. talk about it yes um, we're going to give you another page as well, um, and I'm, I'm going to spoil it slightly by saying it allows me to say three of the most exciting words in the, in the English language. Thunderbirds are go. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Tell us about the other page you've chosen. Uh, so the other page I've chosen is on page 99 uh, uh, of the book. Uh, so it's a Thunderbirds uh, double-page spread uh, that uh, came out in TV21 1974. Uh, sorry, in issue 74. So 18th of June, uh, 1960, 1966, although dated 2066, uh, and is a shot uh, of the sort of the sort of the, sort of the, the welcome to America. Uh, so there's, there's so the hood uh, is in it, and all the sort of uh, the, the Tracy brothers are in it, and they're sort of all sort of arrayed across the sort of the sort of top and the right hand side of the page. And then sort of spreading out sort of from the left hand side of the page all the way along the bottom. So sort of a sort of a half a double page spread on its own. It's just this view of, of a city and it is so real, it is so detailed, it is so believable, it is it is un, yeah, it's just unfathomable. The sort of uh, just you could work out, I mean it's it's a master of perspective Bellamy often you know in strips you get sort of you know hands reaching out of the page to grab you or to hit you or, you know and just that sort of that 3D quality uh, and this sort of vision of a city uh, that sort of that world building mm. um, it, it, it is what I love about uh, this particular page and it's got the hood on it mm. taking off one of his distinctive masks <laughs> in a circular panel <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, the city is just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and the way it's sort of the panel zigzags across the double page and then just all the wonderful detail around everything. It's got the Thunderbirds title on it right in the middle. We've got Frank Bellamy's signature. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to post all these images, obviously, when this episode comes out so people can see what we're talking about. And in the book, um, I'm also going to give you a photograph um, you. for your Grail page because in the book there's a picture of Frank Bellamy in his studio or in a studio with that page isn't there um, rather looking rather lovely in 1970s black and white yes yes I think this is this is the, there are a number of say there are a number of these photos I think there's one particular photo shoot with Bellamy in his studio from which uh, these this, this particular image comes from uh, but yeah you'd, you'd like to think he's Holding it up uh, either because it's you know it's recently completed or because he's particularly uh, you know proud and it you know, demonstrates the, uh, the the quality of the art and he's surrounded uh, by other particular sort of pages um, which uh, you with with enough uh, dedication you go oh that's that's a Garth one there okay yeah sort of oh yeah that one is from there you know as a Maasai warrior. Uh, picture in the background as well so yeah it's a fantastic sort of game to work out what they all are yes yeah. 
Yeah, so we'll give you that photo to go Thank with the, du- the double page spread of Thunderbirds, and I'll just mention that we haven't really we haven't talked about the fact that he did um, he did the Doctor Who covers for Radio Times magazine as well, didn't he? And, and, there, and there's a whole book as well of them. So Time View, it's called. Right. Uh, hardback, softback editions are available. Uh, the complete Doctor Who illustrations of Frank Bellamy, which I think was came out and sort of. Andrew Skilleter was having something to do with that a long time ago. So yes, you've got the complete, all those sort of, you know, some quite large images, and again, some quite sort of small sort of inset images and sort of just in the Radio Times magazine. So uh, yeah, so Time View, the complete Doctor Who illustrations of Frank Bellamy, I recommend. I'm very quickly. I'm going to choose Thunderbirds as well, and I was I was going to choose a page, but I think I'm actually going to choose. The Thunderbirds Six film poster, which Frank Bellamy yeah. did, it's got his signature on it. Yeah. Um, Thunderbirds Six, I think, is the first film I saw in the cinema. Ah. Uh, so it has a special place in my ah, heart. Okay. Um, and uh, probably around about when this episode comes out, my other podcast will probably be talking about the film Thunderbirds Six at some point. But anyway, so I'll post that as well. Um, right. But yes, uh, they are, it's not quite as exciting as your two pages, <laughs> but uh, holds a special place for me. Yeah. Um, your two pages are just yeah. stunning. Yeah. Okay, so The Art of Frank Bellamy, an illustrator special issue 11, yep. or book 11, yep. from the Book Palace, £30, still available, £9 digital, The book, uh, or no, I think it's just bookpalace.com. Um You've mentioned they also do their bookazine illustrators quarterly. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've also got they've got so much stuff on their site. <laughs> so, but, you know, if you want to just go and look at original comic art, yeah, you know they just have a lot of art there. You know, it's just pages and pages. You know, it's just I can't think how many sort of hundreds and hundreds of of, of pages, but yeah, just a lot of very beautiful uh, comic art to go and look yeah. at. Um, so yeah, definitely one of the you know, best websites in the country for that sort of stuff. It could get quite expensive going. It could get quite expensive <laughs> quite quickly going. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of beautiful collections. I mean, even just, you know, the illustrator's quarterly bookazine is going to fill up your shelves, you know, relatively quickly, I suppose. Anyway. Uh, yes, it has. You're right. They've got a newish consultant editor as well. <laughs> one Richard Sheaf, I know. Uh, the, 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 full disclosure. Full, yeah. full disclosure, yes. So... Yes, yeah, so, well, as, as we know, Norman Boyd, uh, you know, the, the, the writer behind the art of Frank Bellamy, uh, did that job for many years, uh, uh, and, you know, he's able to write a whole book about Frank Bellamy, whereas I've been hired for my services to pedantry uh, and for, for fact-checking. Um, uh, so it means that, that, and I didn't come up with the job title, they came up with the job title, but, yes, I have started to get involved in the, in the proofreading and fact-checking um, of, of new volumes before... They are published, uh, just you know, to keep keep the quality threshold high. Right. So uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a fun project uh, to do and to and to be involved in. Uh, you know, there are people who just you know love comic art. You know, they want to put out you know fantastic high quality uh, books that, that we all want to read. Mm. Uh, so yeah, wh- wh- why wouldn't you want them to be the best that they they can be? So yeah, there was a gap in the market. Um, so yeah, very very pleased to be working with them. Uh, they put a lot of stuff out, like you know, a number of those books that I've talked about. They've put out, and, but you know, they've now got a partnership with the Treasury of British Comics uh, to put out even more stuff. Oh right. And keep the focus on picture library uh, format. You know, right. Most uh, well-known examples is something like Commando. Um, but you know, to see you know whether that is up to about issue five and a half. Thousand. I was hmm. to check with uh, Colin Maxwell. There's uh, been another hundred out while we were sitting here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Colin Maxwell's here tomorrow. He's he's written one of the current issues. Oh right. Uh, so they, you know, so some of them are reprints, some of them are new. But you know, they, that continues. But there's sort of the picture library format. You know, has been going for a long time. You know, right. Sort of Amalgamated Press in the early 1950s. I think they sort of trialled the format in Australia, realised it worked, and sort of imported it back here uh, and put out. You know. A lot of titles, so things like uh, Battle Picture Library, not Picture Battle Picture Weekly, War Picture Library, War at Sea, uh, Thriller Picture Library. You know, this is a huge sort of range of sort of digest titles, uh, and this is sort of a format that um, that they use, which is sort of probably 
four stories collected together into a sort of a hardback uh, volume of a particular focus. So it might be, so they put out uh, several recently, so some of them are war stories, some of them are pirate stories, um, but, but they've got, if you go if you go to the website, you know, they've got a, a big range of stories uh, in this sort of format. 20 pounds, 25 pounds, I'm going to say, um, for each sort of um, this sort of small collection um, of four stories per per theme. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's, there'll be a lot of those coming out. So again, it's just part part of the sort of Treasury of British Comics archive. Right. It's being published by somebody else, not rebelling directly. Uh, okay. In the same way that sort of the, the Mike Noble of... Um, Robin of Sherwood stories were published oh, last yes, year. Oh, yes, yes, I've got that. Yeah. And, uh, yes, it's a great book, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow People uh, book has just been announced. I think that's coming from the same publisher as well. So it's, it's you know, a bit, I suppose, a bit like uh, David, Dave McDonald. Dave McDonald with this all, you know, there are, there is a lot, there is so much stuff that Rebellion can't publish all of it, but, and there are people who go, well, I'll publish this fragment of yes. it. So, uh, yeah. so uh, Book Palace um, uh, are publishing quite a number of these collections of uh, uh, story papers um, um, over the next couple of years. So, so watch this space. Right, because they've got the massive archive. Uh, yeah. they, are, they are sharing the load and spreading it out amongst others. Yeah. I approve. Yes, okay. Yeah. We all approve. Yes, exactly. Yes. exactly yeah. Well done, the Treasury. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, look in the show notes for the links to thebookpalace.com and where you can get a copy of The Art of Frank Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about another website in just a moment, but before I'll ask you the question I put in my notes, I presume if you had your Mount Rushmore of British comic book <laughs> artists, which I think gives you, I've forgotten now, is it four, four or five? Four, four. Yeah. So Frank Bellamy's on there, I guess, is he? So yeah, so Frank, Frank Bellamy's... Definitely on there. Frank Bellamy's definitely on there. Frank Hampson is on there. Right, the two Franks. Okay. Two Franks. I mean, I, you know, I love Frank Humphrey's art. I've got a lovely s- sketchbook of his at home. But I think I probably can't quite put him on the Rushmore. But, you know, Ian Kennedy and Don Lawrence. Oh, okay. There you go. My, my four. But, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be, yeah. Yeah. It would be hard to get me to. Beautiful painters. Yes. All four. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Just okay. fantastic. So, yeah. So, my. my that much more that those are the guys. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I would also say that uh, Norman Boyd's blog, all about uh, Frank Bellamy, goes into uh, uh, much more detail than is available uh, just within a single 144 page book. So, Frank Bellamy blog, dot blogspot, uh, where you will see examples of you know, life drawings, um, uh, art that's up for sale, um, some of Bellamy's humour artworks, so, so he's very early stuff, you know. Norman's been to the British Library and researched, you know, uh, that, you know, to the nth degree. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I'd recommend people check that out uh, if they want to catch up uh, on all things Frank Bellamy related. Excellent. Okay, well, I'll put that link in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, you're consultant editor at the Illustrators at the Book Palace. Um, there's a website where you are the editor, <laughs> the only editor, and presumably the only member of staff. Uh, yeah. What's the latest on boysadventurecomics.blogspot.com? Uh, the, the latest news on there, yes, uh, st- still still the uh, uh, the one man band for that. Uh, what have we got on there? Um, uh, well, I think I mentioned to you uh, it was a great opportunity with the coronation recently to blog about my small collection of coronation gramophone records. Oh, right. Um, I'm not sure how many coronation gramophone records you have in your comic collection, Eamon. None. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got two. And two, okay. is probably, you know, two is probably as, as many as you can get. Yeah. Um, uh, and this morning, I can't even remember. What we, oh, this morning, uh, it was a post about uh, a copy of issue two of the Glasgow Looking Glass. Right. Uh, which is widely regarded as being the sort of the Proto first British comic issue two is up for sale today. It's probably been sold by the time we we record this. Um, but there are all sorts of things on there. Um, recent talks, uh, exhibitions. Um, we've had so Norman Thelwell exhibitions um, loomed large recently. There's one on at the Cartoon Museum at the moment. Um, but there was one uh, in sort of his in Southampton near near where he where he lived uh, in the latter part of his life at the National Trust property. So. Uh, fantastic uh, illustrations of Punch magazine or in his books uh, early uh, art that he'd done when he was at art school in the late 1940s uh, early 1950s um, 
all sorts of short-lived Marvel UK titles. Um, like, like, like to, I'm working my way through very slowly through uh, Michael Carroll's. He's done this fantastic sort of family tree almost. Or yes. All the Marvel UK titles. Mm. And I'm, I'm going through all the sort of reasonably short-lived ones to go kind of do a covers gallery for that. Because some of these you think, oh, well, it's, it's only 20 issues. How hard could it be? Yeah. But yet somehow, collectively, you know, the internet cannot at one moment in time remember all 20 covers for some 1990s comic which you think well it's not really surely it's not I know it's 30 years ago but it doesn't feel like a very long time ago but some of these comics they just there is they just don't there's nowhere to find all 20 covers or 30 covers or whatever it is so anyway my contribution to civilization is going through and filling in those gaps and coming up with covers galleries hmm. uh, for a number of Marvel UK titles uh, what else have we had on there recently Tandem uh, merchandise fits on there things about 90s comics uh, I seem to be working my way through all 90s comics uh, very slowly um, uh, early comics from the Edrington Brothers oh right yeah is, is a recent uh, interest uh, obviously you know they're on the most successful camp Kickstarter campaigns in this country and rustle up several hundred thousand pounds at a time. But again, you know, you can go back and you go, well, actually, you know, where, where, you know, where did these overnight sensations come from? Well, actually, there's all these comics they put out, you know, where they were small press creators. Mm. But again, you know, the internet and the world are slightly forgotten about. Um, so, as a, a piece of work uh, I'm working on at the moment, um, and I've just decided that in October and November, I'm going to have a, uh, a phase of looking at some early. Dave Gibbons. Oh right, okay. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll consider that more off air. We'll but, say uh, say hello to him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we will. So yeah. so yeah. So all sorts of things. Um, still doing it uh, daily. Uh, that's that's just stick. Uh, there's something on there every day about something new. We're up to whatever it is, two thousand six hundred posts. So there's plenty for you to catch up on. Um, don't uh, don't don't hesitate to start reading it. <laughs> that's my advice. But it will take you quite a while. So uh, yes, there's no rush. Or sign up for the daily. Email bulletin. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, using yeah. the option on the website, yeah. boysadventurecomics.blogspot.com. Yeah. Yeah. Still going every day. Still going, still going every day. Um, and, the, and the other thing I would say in, in terms of my um, self-promotion is that uh, you will sometimes see things on Down the Tubes, uh, from which I'm the self-styled London correspondent uh, for things at uh, the Cartoon Museum, because that's a long way from John, uh, John Freeman to go. Uh, and also I recommend Justin Marriott's Battling Britons. Yes. I'll be to see Justin tomorrow. Uh, he's a Bristol resident, uh, and uh, I proofread uh, Battling Britain's uh, magazine for him. Right. Uh, so uh, issue number five, uh, complete with notes, uh, is in the bag to hand over to, to Justin tomorrow. So hopefully Battling Britain's five will be Oh, uh, yes, because he talked about that recently, and we can thank him tomorrow for not choosing the Heroes to Spark. I'll drink for that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. otherwise Richard would not be <laughs> talking to us again. Okay, and also... Uh, because being the London correspondent, you and I, we've only done it twice now, but we've got. The, we, I think we've started what I'm calling a tradition, which is going to comic talks either at the Cartoon Museum or at swanky London clubs. Oh, yeah. That's, um, how, we, that's how we roll. Sitting, <laughs> sitting in the back row and giggling, basically. <laughs> We're both sitting in the back row. Yeah. Uh, you're being very good because you're taking notes, and I'm, uh, yes, just giggling. <laughs> But yeah, but uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's good to, you know, those, like I say, those, those swanky London clubs. You know, that's Paul Gravett has uh, yes. has got into that. Uh, um, you know, he's done sort of one series, season, session, whatever you would call it. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that they were successful enough that you know that they will do more. So, uh, watch this space next yeah. time I see Paul Gravett at a thing. And yeah, I'll ask him. Uh, and if anybody has got a copy of a very early 1970s British comics fanzine, UK comics fanzine, called It's All Lies, with Mick McMahon's possibly first published work in it, yeah. please let us, please get in touch with Richard. And yes, let us, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are some images on the blog about It's All Lies, yeah. Mick McMahon, I think he's 18, 19, I think you were, you were kind enough to... I asked him about it, yeah. You, yeah, yes, I, I, I found it, uh, but I couldn't go to a signing. You could go to the signing and you asked him and he, he very graciously didn't say... I, that's not me. That's not me. That's completely somebody different, Governor. That's not me. That's not me. And, and tonight, he, he accepted responsibility for his early work. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, great to be able to you know, find those, those early examples of things that are otherwise slightly lost in the mists of time. So, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's all lies. It's got a number of interesting creators in it. It runs for six or seven issues. And John Bolton is in there. That's early nineteen seventies sort of horror vibe. Um, so yeah, so interesting people in it but yeah early early Mick McMahon yeah 
I've had an eBay search on it and it doesn't show up. No. <laughs> no, uh, show up. We showed him the pages and he said, yes, it was him. And yes, and yes. And he'd said that thing, which all artists say in our experience, which was, I was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yes. Great stuff. Yeah. Richard, thank you so much. Uh, a fascinating book, a fascinating artist. I really, uh, I'm very tempted by illustrators courtly. Um, you know, just the size of the volumes building up in my house. You know, like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, great stuff. And lovely to see you here again at Lawless. We're off out. It's still, the sun is still shining. You're off out to some cricket. Yeah. I'm off out to meet some other people and go have something to eat. And then tomorrow, down on the floor for Lawless. Working hard. Yeah, working hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much to Richard. Thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon, the 2080 forums, or you can find all the links at megacitybookclub.com. Email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to come on the show yourself. Maybe if you'd like to set something up for next year at Laws. Uh, and until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's a goodbye from me and... It's goodbye from me. 